Hello, friends. Welcome again to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is with Nick Amrine. He is a professional photographer from uh, the Toledo area, uh, moved out to California, had a bunch of experience out there. Great story, great guy. And um, I, I think, you know, with the more I do some of these that are kind of outside of paintball, uh, kind of let you see what else is out there and hear other people's stories. And, you know, in photography, we all know that there's a whole nother world to paintball photography and the time and work and effort that goes into that. And I think uh, this episode in particular will kind of bring you into that world of starting your own business, you know, especially in photography and, and kind of what it takes. So I'm trying to, with this episode, give back to the, the paintball photography world. Um, I thought this one was super interesting. Nick's a great guy. Uh, but before we get into the actual podcast, quick thank you to our sponsors. Uh, Dr. Paintball now has a trade-in program where you can uh, sign up, you can trade in your gear, and get something new every, I believe it's every time you trade in your gear, like once or twice a year, you can actually trade it in. And um, I, I think it's a great idea. They also have the, uh, the financing option as well on any of their gear. And if you head to drpaintball.com, uh, either on... Um, either on the used gear side or the new year gear side. They have all kinds of stuff up there. And if you use the uh, the promo code PLAYON, P-L-A-Y-O-N, you can get a free gift for all of the podcast listeners out there. So uh, thank you to Dr. Paintball. Check it out, drpaintball.com. Uh, we are also brought to you by Carbon, who have the CC line out. So it's, it's, it's the SC line, but just not as uh, wrapped up in a pretty bow. So the, the SC pack, for instance, has the, uh, has the pump in the back for the, for the back support. The, uh, the CC pack does not have that. It just has a cushion, uh, you know, a, a stationary cushion itself. So um, there's a few differences, but it's still high quality stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's great products. Also, another, another new thing out here is the, uh, the thermopods that actually change color when they get too hot. So uh, go to CarbonPaintball.com, check it out, and if you type in capital T-P-O-P at checkout, you will get 10% off your entire order. That is for all of the Playing On Podcast listeners. Uh, And also, if you guys are interested in having a uh, sponsorship by Carbon, you can uh, can just email me, carl at CarbonPaintball.com. And uh, we can talk some stuff over, especially now that Carbon has partnered with GI and Empire. So the all-in program, it encompasses Carbon paintball products as well. So check them out. Uh, Last but not least, we are brought to you by Planet Eclipse, who have the best paintball markers on the planet. Uh, Like I've said multiple times before, you got to believe me. you got to go out there and grab one, especially the LV 1.5 or I don't even think there's any more LVRs. I think those were limited. Um, But check out the LV series. Obviously, the CS 1.5 and the CS series is an amazing marker, but I personally enjoy the LVs. Um, I like the open bolts. I just... It's a feeling. I like them. They're nice. Uh, So check out all of our sponsors. Thank you so much. 
Um, and now, without further ado, here is my podcast with Nick. stuff i always wanted to try crossfit but i just never had the time or the money to like to do it yeah. uh, just started uh brazilian jiu-jitsu okay started doing that and then is that working out is that a workout i've only done it for about a week oh dude it's it's ridiculous oh. well think think of uh how much do you weigh uh 190 190 so i'm down to i would and to tie it all into the intermittent fasting thing i started at 202 and after about two weeks i'm down to 193 so just from, from the fasting, Damn. but think of you're not eating. Is that what that means? Well, fasting? I don't. So I don't eat from. Uh, I start eating at eleven and I stop eating at eight. But everything in between there is uh, pretty much like a ketogenic diet, yep. where it's just fats and proteins, low sugar, carbs, yeah. everything like that. Yeah, so yeah. I've been really focusing on that um, a lot for my son too, because I, you know, while I'm only thirty two. I still, when I'm 42, I want to be able to still do these things with my son. While I'm 52, I still want to be able to. Yeah. So I was thinking about it a lot That's more. That's smart, dude. Um, but with jiu-jitsu, it's like think of me or you trying to exert my will onto you. Not just in like a fight sense, mm-hmm. but more or less I'm trying to manip- manipulate your limbs into a position where you give up. Wow. So it's like imagine doing that for four or five minutes with you know 30 seconds in between and rest is it almost like wrestling it's like wrestling but it's more submission based yeah and and body yeah. positioning okay. so you're not really t- trying to pin the guy yeah. or anything like that yeah. and you can have locks and everything like that like i don't know i don't want to act like i know too much about it right. but it's been something that's kind of fascinated me just for the simple fact that uh when i was younger i was into karate and started doing that a lot and started kind of going up in the ranks but then we moved down to Kentucky yep. and when I was down there nobody fucking does karate down in Kentucky at least down in like <laughs> in like 94 or whatever it was when I was down there like there yeah. was no karate down there okay. and then um, it was a little bit after that when I started playing baseball and football and mm-hmm. never ran track or anything like that but yeah. just those but it's dude it's awesome I highly highly recommend it where do you go is it the one in Perrysburg is there one in Perrysburg there I was just looking at your Instagram and I seen the sign. Yeah, that that one's on uh, on Monroe. Monroe, that's where maybe I seen that one. Off of Talmadge. Okay. Yeah, but it's 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 a pricier place, pricier place. But I think yeah. it's just like anything. It's like yeah. you kind of get what you pay for. Yeah. There was another place that was only like a hundred bucks, and I was looking more into that because the price was more friendly. Mm-hmm. But it was packed with people, mm-hmm. and I just. I don't know the credibility of the place, and I looked more into this one on Monroe Street, and it's kind of like probably the same thing with photography, right? So you get somebody that's going to give you fifty dollars for the pictures; they're going to look like fifty dollars for the pictures, mm-hmm. kind of thing. They're not going to be time put into it or anything sure, like that. Sure, sure. So yeah. I think it's that that whole sense. I've only gone for about a week and a half or so. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah, I started doing CrossFit. I'm on three months now. Really? Yeah. What do you think? I fucking love it. Yeah. Best thing ever. Yeah. 
because I, I got like plateaued there for a while because I went from like cross training which is like those punching bag gyms you know that all these fucking girls do yeah and then I went to strict bro lifting where you're just doing biceps curls and I was like this is fucking this is fucking lonely this is fucking lonely and boring I was like I need to fucking interact because I buy myself all the time yeah joined CrossFit and it's a mix of both to me because it's like you get some of these bro dudes that are like top dog athletes that you know have muscles and can fucking do muscle ups and shit like that but then you also have like some chicks that were you know maybe not being the most you know top elite thing so yeah. I always fall like right in the middle and it, I love it right now because mm-hmm. it's like I don't know it's fucking awesome see I I, I kind of looked into it a little bit and I saw a lot of good things that I feel like I could relate to as far as just moving your entire body and not just focusing on, okay, today's legs, today's arms, today's this, today's that. And it, to me, it looked like it's all you're body just workout. all body yeah, all the time, yeah, all the time which yeah. is awesome yeah. because I can't do the whole gym thing too. I tried it. Yeah. Couldn't do it in high school when I was playing football and everything. Right. I wanted to do other stuff. Yeah. And then uh, I tried it again and I was like, just not for me, man. Yeah. I can't just show yeah. up to the gym and just be, I can be self-motivating, yeah. but it's so much more motivating when... It, you feel like a little community, even yeah. though weightlifting, I'm, I'm sure it's another community, but it's yeah. so it's a, it's a isolating. Lot, it's a lot more isolated, yeah, for sure. A lot more solo. <laughs> Chill out. I think he hacked up something. What's up, bud? Yeah, <laughs> but this shit's dope. I've been doing all kinds of video and photo shoots for the gym I'm at now, just because I'm fucking like in love with doing it. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. It's, it's sick. It, Definitely would not be opposed to trying it. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you feel like it's really changing? Like changing you and no, your body? Not necessarily. No. Maybe my strength. But I mean, with fitness, it's not one of those like, okay, so cross training, right? That's just like an hour straight workout, like straight cardio, punching bags, moving nonstop. So that's what that is? I don't really know cross Cross training, training is not really anything with weights, it is a lot of body movements, but. For like you ever heard extreme results on like Monroe? There's like all uh, kinds. There's LBs. There's like fucking... Zumba. No. Like extreme Zumba. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but it was like you do punching bags, and then maybe you do like step ups, and then maybe you do like some push ups, and then you run back and forth. So you're you're sweating a lot because you're just like right. go 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 go. It's cardio. So I I dropped like weight like crazy when I did that. And then you go into strict lifting where you're not losing weight as fast, but you're putting on muscle. Right. You know, CrossFit, it's a, a little bit of both. So you don't see results like right away. Because right. when you put muscle on, that shit takes a long fucking time. You want to lose weight, that happens quick. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like one of those things where, I mean, it all comes down to how, what's your diet like? You know what I mean? Um, you got to be patient with that. Yeah. So. But I, I mean, I've seen my results in my lifting, and they do this whole thing where they, you, uh, they like keep resu- like track of everything for you. Mm-hmm. Like there's like this app that everybody in CrossFit that does CrossFit after your workout, you enter in what your results are, and you can like see where you rank. Compared to yeah, yeah. Um, so you're always seeing, and it will let you know like, hey, dude, you actually outlifted yourself last time you did this workout or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just the whole competitiveness thing and t- trying to race and I don't know. I don't so know. is that mainly what it is, is trying to – so, oh, so what I was talking about too with CrossFit was I, I saw yeah. all the positives and I saw negatives. And, yeah, uh, yeah, And the negatives that I saw mm-hmm. were like people are saying, well, you're trying to just 
fly through all these workouts where you're supposed to have good posture and form and you're trying to do it quicker than you are that and you're more liable you're more uh able to hurt yourself and all this stuff and yeah i mean not that didn't necessarily turn me away from it but it kind of mm-hmm. just deterred me from maybe going in that yeah. direction i mean then it's definitely there i mean yeah but it they always preach you you have to have your form down first before you rip through this workouts you know what i mean because you will get hurt you'll fucking get hurt easily um because like just certain movements you literally have to like take the time to learn how to do it before you do what they call as a wad a -hmm. workout of the day which is every workout is timed it's like all right there's gonna be 20 seconds on the clock see how many you can how many times you can get through this this workout or like they'll give you like like a, a round, I guess you would say, and see how many times you can get through that round in 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So is um, it like hit with weights? Yeah, and it's kind of like hit training. Yeah. yeah. It's just go, go, go. And it's, yeah, it's incorporating uh, a lot of weight lifting. It's a lot of like putting the barbell and stacking weights and doing dips or shoulder presses. Um, or they do like these things called like snatches. It's where you just pull the bar up and you catch it. Or, mm-hmm. So it's a lot of that. It's dumbbell carries, um, a lot of pull up. These they I fucking hate them. They look stupid. I always say it looks like a fish out of water. They're called kipping. Is it one where you you swing yeah, out and you gotta like? It looks like you're cheating to do pull ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what that's the first thing I, I thought. I was like, is, hate that, it. is that how you do it? I'm like, dude, I fucking hate that shit. But <laughs> I don't know why they do that. This shit looks so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's like. I wonder who the first person was who was like, Dude. this is how you do it, and this is how it is. <laughs> no. It, yeah, it's how it looks. Dude. Everybody's like, okay, like, all right. You could do 30 kips in a row, but mm. you can only do like 10 pull-ups. You know what I mean? And hmm. it's like, why don't you just do the fucking pull-ups, dude? That's the proper way to do it anyway. Yeah, so what because would you be working out on the kips? You're still, it's still fucking taxing. Yeah. It's like the same effect you get from a pull-up. It just, you don't get tired out so fast because you're using your body movement. So more, you can get more reps out of it. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of one of those things where, I don't know, it was like a speed thing, a competition thing where it's like, we don't want to see you burn out after 10 pull-ups. We want to see how many kips you can get. I don't fucking know. It's fucking (laughs) stupid. It's the one thing I hate. I mean, but would you recommend would you recommend it over mm-hmm. let's say traditional weightlifting or yeah or anything I mean, else? it's the coolest shit ever. Yeah, it's the coolest shit ever. I thought of that too. It was like it was kind of in, in this um, fork in the road where I was like, okay, I don't like lifting weights, you know, but I don't like being at my house and trying to you know motivate myself yeah, or whatever. I tried so that too. It, it's so it's so tough. Mm-hmm. Um, do I go the CrossFit route or? Mm-hmm. Do I kind of go back to my roots and try and this Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing? Yeah. And I just kind of took that route and I was like, yeah, it's very, and, and I'm sure the people in CrossFit can say the same thing. You really learn a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think, in CrossFit, one, mainly because you you have to test yourself, right? You, you're going against the clock, really. Yeah. So you're, but you're going against yourself with the reps and the reps and the reps. Against somebody else doing jiu-jitsu, it's like, you are battling your mind in a way because you have to be two steps ahead of what this guy's trying to do. Yeah. And you're, you're fucking trying to stay alive because mm-hmm. he's trying to put you to sleep, yeah. right? In any way possible that he can without striking or anything like that. But he is trying to take your gi, which is, you know, that traditional mm-hmm. karate gi. Mm-hmm. He's trying to take that gi and wrap it around your neck and put you to sleep. Mm-hmm. 
and you have to prevent that and you have to find this happy medium uh, of offense and defense yeah. all the time right right and, and know when to be able to to work your way up to a move you might not see it right away but you have you go through those steps of okay I got his heel back here now I can possibly do a heel hook or mm-hmm. something else and then boom it's there as soon as you see it and then it's and then it's over yeah. kind of thing wow. so my first day when I did it I uh, we did some drills did a little uh, little cardio got working out and then we started doing drills which is pretty much uh, where you work on a move a certain move that the uh, I don't even know what they would call him. I don't know if they would call him like a uh, uh, a master or a a black belt. I guess you just call him a black the back the black belt. Um, he would show you a move, and then from there you would just repeatedly do it on each other. Like you you would get two people together, and then you would just do that scenario over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, we were doing one. We were doing an arm bar, and then something else which was tiring too, because just the drill itself, you still have to kind of move your body and push your hips and flip a guy over or whatever. And um, after that, it was like, okay, then the last, I think like 15 minutes of it was rolling, which is actually getting down there, it's like sparring, it's getting down there rolling and working on the moves that you did. And I rolled with this purple belt and it felt really good. Like I, I felt like I was moving around good. It was my first time, so I'm kind of trying to show like I'm a little athletic and everything. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to show like yeah. not necessarily show off, but just show yeah. like maybe I have potential yeah. or something. Yeah. Which stopped quickly when he put my arm up to my head and squeezed my head with his legs and tapped me like that. I was like, "This is for real. Like <laughs> this is real." And then I, I, for another minute, I, or I lasted about it for another minute. The yeah. next time we rolled, yeah. but I landed up in the same spot made the same mistake right so it's like you kind of learn this mental side along with you don't have to be this huge guy or this muscular dude to it it helps but you also have to know what you're doing and Mm -hmm. i mean it goes with anything that's the same thing as crossfit yeah there's dudes in there like that are smaller than me or like i don't know don't have a bigger big frame Mm -hmm. and this dude will like either lift more weight do more reps beat my time <laughs> yeah and i'm like what the fuck you know what i mean because mm-hmm. it's 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 the technique it's the practicing yeah. it's the knowing what to do and how to do you know yeah. things like that but well yeah, i think it's the awesome. same thing in paintball too yeah like you walk up on a, in a paintball field and you <laughs> see guys coming around and they're going around a bunker and they're taking a shot and they're they're hitting smaller than a pie plate just coming around boom Boom, and they're doing these drills and everything, and I think that's just, you know, to anybody out there, like, don't get intimidated at any of this stuff, at CrossFit, at Jiu-Jitsu, at paintball, at anything. You, you can't, otherwise you're just going to psych yourself out of whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. And photography. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to go out there and really know and believe that you can do it, otherwise yeah. you're never going to accomplish anything. Yeah. So let's... I think that was a good intro. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit, uh, you know, about you. I tend to chatter a bunch, but uh, yeah. Where uh, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in uh, Oregon, Ohio. So uh, Ohio. basically Toledo, like, is where everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Knows that town, but uh, yeah, I've lived there pretty much. Well, I can't say my whole life, but mainly that's where I grew up. Yeah, all the way up until my high school. Yeah. Did. Uh, when you were younger, were you in any sports at all, or was it just skating? Yeah, I mean, I started out with the traditional sports, like uh, basketball, baseball, football. 
what they offer pretty much just, the, yeah, yeah what it was i mean my older brothers were big into sports like actually my older brother he's like uh, 20 years older than me um he played baseball at ohio state so he always like put me in that realm of being a baseball player and i right. just wanted to kind of fall in that footsteps so i did the travel ball went to like little league world series in new york city played ball wow so i was like oh i'm gonna be a baseball player and stuff like that until i got a skateboard yeah and i was like no it's not for me i want yeah. a skateboard yeah so, just hooked instantly. Yeah. Yeah. It was like basically at, when did I get my first skateboard? I was like 10 years old. I mean, the skateboarding slowly started like anchoring itself into my life where it was like, that was my passion. But I played sports and then skateboarded all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, when was it? It was like at freshman year, I remember um, I was playing uh, football. And they were doing, like, those double days where you had to do, like, practice all day. The two days? Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) I don't have no time to skateboard. Like, now I got to pay attention to school. It's, like, real serious. I'm in high school now. Yeah. Yeah. I was like. And and then I also, it was, like, a reality check because it was, like, okay, you got to be good if you want to be on the starting team. Or, like, the coach doesn't have to put you in. Like, you can sit. And that was, like, oh, fuck. Like, I might sit on the bench this whole time yeah so i remember just going back and it was like after the first game or something like that and i just dropped off my pads and then i you know i was just like i'm skateboard i'm just gonna skateboard that's it i'm not i'm done with sports i just want to skate yeah. like that's what i really love so but yeah to answer your question <laughs> <laughs> nice i actually took up um skateboarding a little bit after high school when I was telling you, I moved out to Seattle. Nice. Yeah, so I, I played sports all through high school, uh, had a scholarship to go to Tiffin University, mm-hmm. and I ended up actually uh, putting that aside and moving out to Seattle for paintball itself. There was a facility, out, a multi-million dollar facility that was an indoor skate park that had skate light on the ramps and everything. That's nice. And the guy who, the guy who built the one for the X Games, they hired him in to come build this one. Wow. I met Dave Mira out there. Sick. Yeah, it was awesome. And um, and I started skating a little bit before I moved out, but it, it hit real hard when I moved out there because I started meeting skateboarders. So I would skate during the day, or in the morning I would skate, mm-hmm. and then I would work at this paintball field, and then I would play paintball at the end of the day, and then I would go and skate again. And uh, it was awesome. It was Dude, wow. I was living it up, and then um, did you get the ollie down and everything? Got the ollie down. I, I remember it vividly in my head too, because yeah. there was a time I met this this skateboarder. I, f- I forget his name. I have terrible memory too. Was he professional or no? He wasn't professional, but he has been skating since he was like three or something like that. I remember his face. I'm terrible with names, but yeah. um, I met him there, and he kind of almost like took me under his wing. Yeah. And I met him on the mini vert, and then um. He took me aside and he goes, well, do you know how to do anything else? Because I just kept trying tricks and not doing anything. And I was like, well, yeah. I don't know how to ollie yet. He goes, what? He's like, you don't know how to ollie yet? I was like, yeah. no. And he invited me with him and some friends out to this uh, place that he knew. There was just l- this little gap of a sidewalk. And then it was just like one or two steps. He goes, I want you to ollie that. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I want you to ollie that. And we're not leaving until you learn, until you do it. Wow. Dude, it took me like five hours, yeah. and I finally did it. Wow! And I was like, I felt like, so accomplished after yeah, that. And yeah. then there, it was like 
five steps, six steps. Yeah. I started doing a bunch, and yeah. then I started um, a little bit on the vert, started on the mini vert, and started actually doing tricks on that. Wow. And then from there, I started getting into snowboarding. Okay. And I kind of got this time in my life where it was like, okay, well, you know your abilities on a snowboard because I started trying like big things and I was landing them. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm either gonna hurt myself doing this and then not be able to play paintball because my paintball career actually started taking off too. Oh. And I was at this, this fork where I was like, okay, paintball or snowboarding and I'm out here for paintball. So I ended okay. up taking the, taking the paintball route. Right, because that uh, was like your first passion. Mm-hmm. That's what you went out to Seattle for? Yeah, yeah. A, a buddy of mine, oh, he was an old coach of a team that I played for mm-hmm. in Toledo. He moved out there to manage that facility yeah. called Thrill Zone. And he was like, dude, if you ever want to move out here, I'll give you a job. You can ref the paintball field. You can play as much as you want, do this. And after high school, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I, don't want, I don't want to join the military, which I almost did because my, my uh, stepdad was in the Air Force. My dad was a Marine. My grandfather was a marine wow. and um i'm the first i'm the first uh generation to not go into the military <laughs> but i was like i did a bunch of other cycle. stuff <laughs> yeah uh but i ended up moving out there yeah for that yeah. is that where like the paintball hub is no, it's or? it's more or less california there, there's a lot of teams based out of california and yeah. and uh texas i mean there's paintball all over the place there's a, sure. the team i play for now uh was huge in the early for mid '90s, mm-hmm. and I think the early '90s too. Chicago aftershock—they were—they were a force to be reckoned with back yeah. then, which we're trying to build that back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how they did it with the seasons and everything, because out in California, Texas, they're playing all the time. Right, but so that's the meccas are part out there on the yeah. West Coast. Gotcha. Yeah. Same as yeah, same as skateboarding. Yeah. It's all all that stuff. Oh. That's my GoPro. It's yelling at you. Needs needs to eat. Yeah. It's alright, we gotta quit. <laughs> so, you found skateboarding. Yeah. Decided that was what you wanted to do. Um, you know, what took it to the next level? So, you know, uh, you know, I'm a professional photographer and videographer. And that's, uh, skateboarding is what kind of, you know, skateboarding is what introduced me to that. So, I started skateboarding at 10. Somewhere around 14 or 15 years old, there was a kid who started like putting a skateboard team together. Mm-hmm. And he like made these cool shirts that were orange and it said guilty across the front. It was called Guilty Skateboards. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to start making a skate video. I'm like, whoa, a skate video? I'm like, that's <laughs> legit. And he had this big like shoulder camera where you had to take a VHS tape and pop it in and a, roll. A huge VHS tape yeah. in the side of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember like him having it and letting me film him skateboard because mm-hmm. we're gonna like make this video. And I just remember that was like that moment where it's like it makes sense. Like this is what you should do. Yeah. Because it was just so exciting filming something. And then being able to play it back and see what you shot. Yeah. I mean, just for the aspect of one, just, you know, it's exciting to film as it is. But then when you can see yourself skateboard or do film tricks, that's something else you're passionate about. Like combining those two is just like the ultimate And you thing. can critique yourself at that point too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you want to have better style that needs to look clean, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, so that was like the next step of, you know, what led me to, you know, what I do now for a living, so. 
So, are you? That was was that your senior year, or was that right after high school? So the whole introduction to the the camera that was um, that was probably around uh, eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. But I started skateboarding early into elementary, like when I was ten. Yeah. So that was probably like ten years old. Is what like third grade or something? That's like right. That. Yeah. yeah. So the camera thing and everything didn't happen until like later on. But skateboarding, like I said, I I skateboarded and played sports. And then skateboarding really got serious at that point where in high school now, where I was like, I'm not going to play these sports. I just want to skateboard. Yeah. And it was like, I want to skateboard. I want to film. You want to commit to it. Yeah. Like, I know what these two things are I love. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to film and I want to skate. And I had got my first job when I was 16 years old. It was like freshman year at that time. I started working at a, a Marco's Pizza. It's like a pizza place. And... All these skate videos that I grew up watching, I seen that they had this certain camera. It was called the Sony VX. Uh, they had the 1000 and the 2000. It was like a built-in uh, handle into the camera, and they had the big death lens on it. Yeah. The fisheye. I was like, I gotta get that camera. Like that's how I'm gonna make it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I saved up every paycheck, and it was like two grand, and I bought that camera. And at that point. It was on. It was like, we're making skate videos. We're going to Woodville Skate Park. There was like an indoor yeah. skate park that I lived at. Josh Trozinski. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That was the that was the spot. So you went there too? Yep. Yeah. 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 On you a board and a bike. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was terrible. Dude. You were too... <laughs> so you, you had tried skateboarding back then too as mm. well, but wasn't as committed to it. I did... I enjoyed it, but there, to me, I felt like there wasn't as much potential to put it, the effort into that as yeah. it was in paintball for me. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. I do, I remember that place. Dude, that place is sweet. I mean, mm-hmm. it's huge. I mean, for the viewers out there, Woodville Skate Park was um, indoors. An indoor skate park at a mall. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know how many square foot, but at least maybe. 20,000 square feet probably or something. Dude, it was, it was a whole store. Yeah. Like inside yeah, 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 of the Yeah, it was a mall. whole store yeah. before. I don't know what it was before, but it was basically a shopping store and turned into an indoor skate Think park. about it. I can't remember what it was before. Me either, dude. Just, I just remember it being the skate park. Yeah. But that place, yeah, because that was just awesome. Because like, you know, wintertime here in, you know, Midwest, mm. if you want to skateboard or ride your bike or do rollerblades or whatever, you're pretty much out of commission yeah. until, you know, until the, the sun comes out. Uh, for the summertime because there's not many skate parks around here so woodville came around it was like that's where i that's yep that's where i I was like at all the time you know so did you ever question uh skateboarding with like a big injury or anything like that that's ever happening yeah um it was like i was at it was at woodville skate park probably i can't remember it was maybe my junior year in high school um my buddy had, you know, I was trying this tail slide down a handrail, and I was like, I'm not feeling it. It's feeling really weird. My buddy was like, no, dude, give it one more try. Mm-hmm. So that one more try, I did the tail slide, slipped out, came down on my wrist, and it did, like, the whole snake effect on, yeah. on the arm. <laughs> I was just like, I walked over to the counter, and I was like, I broke my arm. Like, I was just like, I think I was, like, in a daze. In like, shock. shock. Yeah. Because, like, it was just like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. But I remember from that point, like having to get the whole cast all the way up my arm, and I remember I kept skateboarding with it, and then I would go back for a checkup, and they would find out that I'd skateboard and I'd rebroke it. Like I got like three different casts because I just kept breaking it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
once I got through that cast and everything like that, it just kind of like left a, 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 a imprint on my mind as like, mm-hmm. how far can I take this? Yeah. But, and, you know, at that point, like I already knew that I wasn't going to be like some professional skateboarder. Like the passion for you mean, shooting. Like, were, you limit your, were you like limiting yourself? Like you kind of were like, I, I know I'm not going to be pro, so I'm going to try and focus on something else. I guess, I don't know if I initially had that thought. I mean, growing up skateboarding, I think every skateboarder has that that uh, dream of going to California, being in the skate videos, and being a pro. That's what keeps you going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like you idolize pro skateboarders, and you love skateboarding. So, I mean, that was on my mind. Um, but once I kind of started filming it, I started idolizing becoming a, a skateboard filmer. Something else unlocked, and the door opened. Yeah, there. like I was like, I want to make skateboard films, you know what I mean? I want to film skateboarding, you know, so. So, like, you're saying at that point, like, when you broke your arm, because you kind of had to take a, a step back from it? I don't know if that was the moment, but I'm sure that influenced it a lot. Yeah. Because at that point, I know that at that point, I stopped pushing my skateboarding as hard as I did before. Yeah. Because, like, I, I can, can look back at my skate footage and my skate parts that I made, and at that point, I was, like, doing some gnarly tricks. Like, if I had kept skateboarding from that point on to now as hard as I was, I probably could have ended up somewhere with yeah. it. But I remember that kind of, like, shifted me a little bit. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't be that this, like, crazy with it. You know? Yeah. So I just want to film a lot. Especially with a broken arm. I mean, I wasn't skateboarding all the time right off the rip. It was, like, filming a lot. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I have... I have two injuries that I remember from the Woodville Skate Park. One, I got a splinter about the size of my thumb. Like I, I was coming down and I, like I came up the wall and I kind of like, I hit something or whatever. Like I, I think it was like a, a notch or something that was taken out because the biggest, the big thing there was that the skateboarders, to me, what I noticed, skateboarders didn't like the, the bike riders. Because the bike right, riders yeah. would ride, and then all the pegs would chip the wood mm-hmm. and everything. So that's because I'd always hear skateboarders yelling at, at bike riders and everything. So what happened? I think I hit one of those notches, mm-hmm. and I came down, and I my hand hit the top where the where the pipe is. Yeah. And I came down, and I hit a splinter, and it went all the way down to my palm, oh my into my thumb, God. and yeah. I had to sit there and pull it all the way out. That sucked. And then there was another time where I actually. I was like, well, I'm gonna try riding my bike because there's there's some guys who ride here. Yeah. And I rode one, and I was I did one where I did a um, I forget what the hell it's called, but you grab the seat. Yeah. Out. Superman, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I think it is Superman. You grab the seat like this, and you pull it back in. Yeah. Well, I pulled it back in, and I didn't get my left foot back on the pedal. Yeah. And my shin hit the pedal and ripped down Ooh. my leg, and I had I had the uh, skin ripped off, and it was white. It wasn't bleeding. It was like kind of like button bleeding where it was just mm-hmm. kind of doing that whole thing, but it was just white because of how deep it went down. Damn. And I was like, okay, well, I should probably slow down with this. I ended up riding for a little bit longer. Yeah. Anything, but That's not um, I just like trying all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It was That's it was pretty intense. I probably probably should have died a few times. Damn. I just I just like trying shit. Yeah. I couldn't slow down. Yeah. There's been so many gnarly injuries at that skate park like i remember my buddy chico like i wasn't i don't think i was actually there but i remember hearing about it It was like he went and did a backside 50 50 on this box 
landed on his arm, like kind of how I did, but instead of breaking like his, my, like I broke my wrist, his arm bent backwards, snapped Oof. backwards. At the like, elbow? Yeah, like what, inverted, like, <laughs> like dude. Because everybody just said it was like, looked like it was like out of a horror story. Like, oh, I just bet. Really, like, oh, God. But yeah. Any kind of injury like that. Like I saw a basketball dude. You see, you remember the one where the dude's leg snapped at his shin and it, the bone yeah. came out of his leg? I, mean, I always see that stuff now like on like MMA stuff when I always mm-hmm. show that stuff. It's like, whoa. <laughs> so gnarly. Uh, yeah. So, you, so you're filming, kind of started getting a kickstart. Yeah. At what point in time did you get motivated or what opportunity came about when you decided to move out of state? Okay. Um, so I did the whole skateboard filming thing through high school and that was really taken off. And then I did like this VCT program, like it was like a video photo design program that they had at the school Mm -hmm. for your junior and senior year. And I took that program and I, it was like that moment where I was like sitting around and I was like, I'm really passionate about this class more than everybody else. Like I'm like staying after hours. I'm like you know, just putting in so much more time. But it was yeah. like, it wasn't like I was trying. It was just like, I loved it. Yeah. And I really, it didn't feel I like, like work. Yeah. And it was time. like, nobody else is this passionate about this <laughs> yeah. class. And I remember my teacher, Nathan Quigg, pulled me aside. And he was like, hey, you have a, you have a calling for this. Like you, mm-hmm. um, there's something special. You have like a gift and you, sh- you need to pursue this. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, it's like those moments in your life where you're like, you remember like yep. the transition. So, towards that senior year, wrapping up high school, I was like, you know, I'm still skateboarding, but I'm filming like crazy. Like, I'm not just filming skateboarding now. I'm filming like local commercials. I'm filming at the club. I'm filming weddings. I'm doing anything. So, you're making a little business. Yeah, I'm starting making a business. Yeah. And like my first business name was called Love to Film. Mm. And um, Pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried to be creative and I took like the E off love. So it was like L O V two yeah. with the number two. Just like <laughs> just butchered the name. Yeah. But uh so yeah, I just you know, it started taking over. And then um, you know, the whole thing comes up with like, are you gonna go to college? You know, what are you gonna do with your life at the high school? Well, I kinda came from a background where we didn't have much money. I mean, by the time of my senior year, we were living in a trailer park, like on the other side of town, like I didn't live in Oregon, I was like in Toledo. Really? Yeah, but my mom wanted to keep me in that school. I wanted to stay there. Good choice. So this whole idea of like going to college, I was like, if I'm gonna go to college, I don't want to just go to like a basic university. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that didn't seem creative enough. So like I was like finding out about art institutes and you know stuff like that. And I remember talking to like whoever your school rep is or whoever's like your person from that school helping you get like signed up yeah and i was like if i go to school here how much will i have to pay when i get out and they were like um you know you'll probably walk away with the debt of like a little over a hundred thousand dollars and you'll be paying maybe around five to six hundred dollars a month but you'll but you'll have but you'll have you'll have six months after graduation before that starts to kick in oh gee thanks yeah, and being like I did, like I said, I didn't have much money, and we were living in a trailer park. I was just like, dude, I didn't even have like a dollar on my name. I was like, that's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> like well, that can deter somebody away from doing what they what really did. want to do. And that's what it did, dude. Like I was just like, there's no way, no way. Like nobody's gonna front the bill if I can't cover it. Yeah. So I was just like, 
college isn't for me. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this. At that same time, I became, I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, basically, over like two weeks, I was like, I had lost 30 pounds. I got like just super nauseous. I was pale, out of energy. And like, before you, know, you knew or the, after you Before knew? I knew. Like these are leading up symptoms. Signs like cramps in my legs. I was urinating like nonstop. And, you know, if someone says, like, hey, if you're feeling sick, like, drink some orange juice, stay hydrated. Well, with a type 1 diabetic, like, sugar can almost be your worst enemy. So I started drinking, like, I remember this one time I went to Myers and I got, like, two jugs of, like, orange juice. And I was just downing them because I was so thirsty. Yeah. One of the symptoms are, with being diabetic, you get extreme thirst. Your mouth gets real dry. And even if you drink a whole gallon of water or orange juice, whatever, you're still going to be thirsty. Really? It's crazy. So the the bad thing is, is I was consuming all this sugar, which is actually making it worse. Mm-hmm. And then it was raising my blood sugar to the point where it got deadly. So basically I was like drinking all this orange juice and I started falling real, like felt like I was falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like the right kind of sleep. And I remember calling my buddy because I, 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 it just was blurry. I couldn't see. And I was at, my, at the house by myself. And I said, dude, you got to pick me up and take me to the hospital. Something's like wrong. I feel like I'm falling asleep. I can't see. It's blurry. He rushed me to the hospital. I remember throwing up in the emergency room. They rushed me in. And they knew like right away. They're like, your blood sugar was like 1,500, which is supposed to be a normal person. It should be around 100. Wow. They were like, if your buddy didn't get you here like within this hour, like you probably would have died on that couch. You would have slipped into a coma and then you would have died. Jeez. I was like, Help. yeah. So that was like an eye opener for sure. Cause then my life changed, you know, mm-hmm. I had to like switch up everything, but with just like figuring out what to do with high school and then that happening, I was like, you know what? I've been watching skateboarding videos in California as a kid. I know that's where filming's at and everything is. That's where I need to go. Mm-hmm. So I think I had like $1,500 saved up. I had a Honda Civic with a bumper hanging. I had 200,000 miles on it. Packed up my stuff. Another buddy of mine from Oregon had lived out there, and we rolled out and went out to California. I was just like, that's where I need to yeah. go. I'm going to go without no plan, no nothing. And um, Did the drive feel like it took forever? No, because to me, like, I had never really been on a vacation or really traveled much, so it was awesome. Like, I was, like, one of those gone into the wild things, because we're, like, we're pulling over, and like, dude, let's go check out this place. That's awesome. When you, when you don't have a set time yeah. to be at that destination. Yeah, oh. and we're just sleeping in our cars, like, yeah. with all our stuff. Like, let's go check out, I remember we stopped in, like, Omaha, and we're like, let's just walk around the downtown. And, like, yeah. you're young, you, like, don't care, it's like. No bills, no. Yeah, yeah. you know. Oh, we're in a desert. Let's just pull off and shoot some pictures here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, I'm, you know, no mission, just straight yeah, journey. Just living, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was super amazing. But yeah. So what was your what was your plan when you got out there? I mean, was it did you not really have one or was it what did you find um, out there that worked and how long were you out there for? Yeah. It, there was really no plan because at that point I was so shooken up of, of the possibility that I just died. Yeah. To me, I was like living life. I was like, I almost just died. So I'm going to do just whatever. I just want to go out there and like not have no plan. I just want to live, you know. Right. But when I went out there, um, 
basically I just knew that I wanted to be filming, shooting photos, anything in that environment. So um, when me and my buddy got out there, we like slept on one of his friends, like, you know, on the floor for a few weeks until we found an apartment. We got an apartment and there was like three of us and it was like so expensive. I think it was like, like twelve hundred dollars for a one bedroom. We turned the kitchen into a bedroom for yeah. the one dude. So the dude literally slept in the kitchen. So like he'd be cooking <laughs> eggs like his cop was like right in the dining room, like yeah. kitchen. And then me and the one dude slept uh in the bedroom. And I remember I, like I was still broke as shit because I only had fifteen dollars when I went out there. But living the dream. But we yeah, living the dream. I like for the first year I think I just slept with a pillow and blanket on the ground. Like there was no bed or anything. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> And then, you know, I worked, I got a job at the mall, you know, at some clothing shop and just started, you know, um, oh, I remember the next moment, what happened. So I was working at the cash register, you know, this guy's checking out, he looks real cool, like his hair is all like slicked over and he looks like he's like just Knows a hit dude, yeah. like this dude's either like a celebrity or like whatever, I don't know, but swipe his credit card on the credit card it says jim jordan photography and jim jordan photography or jim jordan is like a, a famous celebrity fashion photographer shirts for like gq and um he's shot with like leonardo dicaprio and stuff like that hmm. so um i didn't know that at that point but i knew he must be a big deal he looks legit and it says yeah. on his card so yeah. i just said hey man i'm from ohio i've just been out here for a little bit if you have like any opportunities you need an assistant, I would love to help out or come out and just be a part of something, mm -hmm. you know. And then he had called me like a week later and was like, "Hey, there's gonna be like this shoot in Malibu. We're gonna be shooting for like GQ. Can you be there?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Fucking crazy! Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. what? Like, just imagine that you were late to work that day or something, or like, yeah, you. I didn't ring him out, or you were in the back fucking doing stock or some shit. You know what I mean? Isn't it crazy how just." Things happen. Yeah, little moments like that. You just completely turn everything around. Dude, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of like a part of like being in California because there's, it's like the land of opportunity out there or whatever. You yeah. Know what I mean, but yeah, that was like one of those moments because at that point I was starting to break down. Like I was, we were broke, you know, I was working this small job and yeah. like, dude, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing out here. Your and determination I, just kind of started. Dude, I was like, I remember living off like a loaf of bread and like peanut butter. I'm like, dude, this is ramen. This is actually getting pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. This is. I mean, I came out here. This is cool, mm -hmm. but you know, I remember having that moment. I had like, I remember calling my mom. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is like crazy. Um, but I stuck it out, and that moment kind of like helped push me, you know, a little bit further because I started assisting with him, and then that, and I met other photographers then that were also assistants, and started becoming, meeting friends and stuff like that. Mm. Um, let me think from there, and then really I just started shooting on my own, and you just kind of like make, you know, while you were out there. Yeah, I was like, yeah, of course, still shooting all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I would shoot with models, or I would try to, you know, link up with skateboarders and shoot some skateboarding um, at the, like the local skate park or whatever. But uh, so we just freelance at this time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been freelance. Yeah. I guess you'd say. You know what I mean? I've never really worked for some somebody and with photography and video. You know what I mean? Right. So, but yeah, I was just out there shooting, and you know, there was like Craigslist. And you could like look to see what you know what jobs are going on or someone needs you on set and i would try to like um get on set or help out and stuff like that so 
um, just anywhere and everywhere is where I was trying to help out. But the next big step I would say was um, I, I landed um, an internship at like an advertising agency. And let me think how that came about. Basically, there was another photographer friend of mine that would come from Arizona to L.A. to assist with this, uh, this like, celebrity photographer named Kevin O. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, I can't be there all the time. You should, you know, you should go assist when I can't. So I remember going to the first day that I assisted on, it was, like, at the L.A. River, and it was for a West Coast custom shoot. I'm talking like those dudes, like I don't know if there's like the, the reality show you ever yep. heard of and it's like the guy that's always like this you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like we're shooting with like some gangster cars we're shooting like in the LA River where they shoot all these music videos and it's just yeah. that next moment where after I helped on that they were like hey why don't you start interning for us like three to four times a week we have an office downtown LA and that was that next transition because working there, I worked there for about a year and a half interning and working under Kevin, I learned how to shoot photography in like a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. how to make like a call sheet, um, how to set up your lights, um, learning exposures and how to work with your camera, how to work with your, your talent, wardrobe, composition, location scouting. like. Basically learn everything, how to be a professional photographer from that internship. And yeah. it really helped shape and mold me a lot. Because I was so young. You're like, when you're young, you're like a sponge. So anything you get like tossed and, you know, you'll like take in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was amazing, dude. Because we would, we, being from Ohio, like celebrities, like that shit's fucking cool, man. Like California alone yeah. is cool when you're from Ohio. But like being in California and being around celebrities, like that's fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. It's not too many people do that, you know. Yeah, who do we have like Jamie Farr? Yeah, and now Stipe Miocic from uh, UFC, who just won. Uh, I don't know night. anything about that shit. I don't follow it. Is he from Toledo though? The heavyweight championship. The dude, no, he's from Cleveland. Wow, that's. Uh, but he beat this uh, Francis Ngannou monster dude, like this huge black guy who was just the last guy he fought in the first round. I think in like I don't know a couple minutes in the round, just blasted him into the fucking next atmosphere it was crazy yeah and they were kind of hyping him up and steep it was just like well, i'm just gonna fight i'm just gonna do what i want you know mm-hmm. and he just proved it last night but wow but yeah i mean we don't have i mean it's not we're not the mecca of uh famous people yeah really. so and i know exactly because i played for a team out of california and um i know exactly like what you mean it's just kind of just has this kind of ambient famous feeling because sure, we it. just see it through the tube exactly know? we see it through the internet but back in the it was like you've seen it in movies and stuff like that or whatever mm-hmm. so the thing was it was like assisting for this dude it wasn't just shooting like we were shooting cool stuff like i remember like the west coast customs like that shit still yeah. um we shot with um is that what got you hooked on bikes or interested in bikes no the motorcycles didn't even come back until like later on we can speed up to that though. Oh no no, no wherever you want to go. I, no, dude, we're we're good. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> just hit me with another question. Well, so how far know. how far into California? Uh, how many years into California? Three. Is so I did three years until the point where I'd got done with the internship. I was just um, they didn't they weren't hiring. They were not at the point to bring me on. 
Mm-hmm. And then, so I just started shooting myself still, you right. know, trying to run my own business. I was working two jobs, working a front desk job at a hotel and then working as like a, a bar back at a restaurant in like um, in Santa Monica area. And doing two jobs and then trying not to be a starving artist again um, can really start to get to you. Oh, yeah. So I remember living in Long Beach and I was like one block from the beach. I was living in like... Um, a three-bedroom house. I had a one. A one uh, I had one of the bedrooms, and I think I was paying. I think it was like a thousand dollars a month or something like that. It was like something crazy high. Because like when I first started out there, it was like three seventy-five. Because we're all splitting it, but right. like you know what I mean. Eventually, you start to get grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was just like I'm not backtracking. Like I can't go share a bedroom with somebody. Like I don't want to backtrack. Yeah. I don't want to eat bread and peanut butter anymore. You've come this far. Yeah. And it just started getting bad again, dude. Like, I remember, like, having to um, take my clothes to the the thrift shop and sell them just because I needed some fucking money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, this is horrible. And um, I just had a breaking point where I was like, you know what? I think I've gained a lot of experience being here these last three years. Um, I don't see myself being here in the long term. You know, like, California was just – I missed this – Ohio small town feel. Yeah. I love the fact of getting on the highway and not have to like worry if the, the highway's going to be backed up. Yeah. I like to, I like the, I like knowing where the good restaurants are in town. Yep. Yeah. I like that if I go to the local bar, I'll probably run into one or two people that I know. Mm. Um, just stuff like that, like I love, you know? Um, yeah. I always said California, and this is a Midwesterner talking. California is a great place to visit, mm-hmm. but I could never live there. Yeah. Couldn't. It's just too much going on, man. It's too busy. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. The traffic alone will fucking make somebody crazy. Mm-hmm. But if you ask somebody who lives there yeah, from there, they'll be probably. like, dude, this is, yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, I completely know what you're, what you're talking about, too. Yeah. Moving back and, and feeling that. And it's not even being content with where you are. It's just kind of that familiarity with the area and Mm -hmm. with the people and with where it doesn't feel like there's a million people just congested in this one area. You feel like you can breathe. Mm -hmm. But don't get me wrong. I love the ocean. I love that whole feeling to it. But the whole traffic and everything And just having known somebody, like having people, I guess, people that you know, not just from like, hey, I just met you a year ago. It's like... Knowing people you grew up with and, you know, family around and stuff like that Mm -hmm. was a huge comfort. But, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I just had a breaking point again where I was just like, I'm not seeing this go anywhere right now. I feel like I've gained enough experience from here and I want to – it was just going to be a break, honestly, actually. I was like, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to take a break, take a year off or whatever, and then then figure out from there. Yeah. But um, I came back, and then I started this uh, business called 3 by one It was with two other people. It was Three Things by One Company. That's what it stood for, 3 by one Media. And we started that, and um, basically it was just job after job. You know what I mean? We were like, I was doing so many shoots nonstop, and, you know, anybody that comes back from, like, a big city, like it's Seattle or California— People are like, oh, that's that's cool. You live in Seattle. You live in California. I mean, especially for me, people thought it was cool because I was like, you know, showing pictures of being with like celebrities and shooting all these cool things. So people from Ohio think that shit's dope. Oh, yeah. 
and it was cool because it almost kind of helped get me like jobs here you know what i mean yeah. people were like this dude's legit like let's hire him for a shoot you know what i mean um and then that just turned into another gig nugget and then before you know what i've been here since you know what i mean yeah um there just hasn't been enough urge for me to leave business is great here i love it here and um yeah so why not still three by one okay yeah so maybe two two or three years ago um let me think how that transition happened well basically the two other guys i started the company with had went off and did their own thing Mm. and um with focusing on photography a lot i noticed that a lot of the famous photographers in the game went by their name you know first last name and then that was it like it wasn't this media company name or whatever and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, and people always assumed I was like a company of people, which it was in the beginning. Yeah. But three, three by one, it was just me now. It wasn't this media agency or company. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to switch it because people think I'm like, you know, working with multiple videographers, multiple photographers. It's just me. And I want to really start branding my name so people um, – are hiring me as like an artist or are hiring me for my style. They're hiring me for how the whole I entity. work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I made the switch and, and, and turned into Nick Amrine. You know what I mean? Um, the company's just Nick Amrine, just my name. So yeah, I had to let go of that. Yeah. yeah. I think it works out well. It's pretty, you know, straight to the point and just, yeah, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's straight to the point. You know, you're hiring the camera and photography. You're not hiring a team of people. You're not hiring a company. You're not hiring an ad agency. You know, yeah, my my last name is super hard to say. <laughs> it doesn't help for like to type that in and like, what is his name and how do you spell it or yeah. what's his website? It does suck in that aspect, but um, yeah, it's my name. That's yeah, what it is. <laughs> See, I was thinking about that with the podcast because I started this uh, last year around the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always thinking, I was like, you know, what am I going to name the podcast? Do I do the Carl Markowski podcast? Do I do something related to paintball? Do I, you know, because at the time, I obviously wanted it to be all about paintball. Yeah. You know, now I'm kind of just branching off a little bit. But um, I don't really, I don't really see like the playing on podcast to me, how that came about. And I was thinking about it, I was like, um, Playing on is like a penalty in paintball. Okay. Like if you get hit and you continue playing, it's mm-hmm. called it's called playing on. And then I thought about it in a way too. I was like, well, you know, you just, you can kind of think about that in life too. Like no matter what hits you, what happens, you just got to keep playing on, mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. It's kind of sporty more than anything. But I thought about it too. I was like, I I have to put my name with it too because yeah. if I'm not gonna have my face. Yeah. I at least have to have my name in it. So mm-hmm. it's the playing on podcast with Carl Markowski. Yeah. Although nobody says with good. Carl Markowski, it's always the playing on podcast. But um, yeah. but it works. And yeah. I mean, what uh, what has it been like? You know, doing this pretty much on your own and, and mm-hmm. being your own boss. Like what? I mean, obviously that's what I want to do. I mean, with with yeah. podcasting, with anything. Yeah. Because I I do a little nine to five. I work on pumps um, okay. in buildings downtown and all that shit. And a boss. My wife hates it for the fact that. I keep telling her, I was like, one day, this is gonna, this is gonna turn around. Like all this time that I'm taking away from you, it's gonna turn around. Something's gonna happen. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna keep working hard at it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just can't, I 
can't continue the nine to five. It's just like, yeah. I understand the whole um, feeling content and people, you know, well, I have a paycheck every time. I don't want to worry about if I'm going to get paid or not. Yeah. I don't want to worry about retirement or anything like that. Right. But my mind is too, anything that's a nine to five to me is like factory work. Yeah. Like, I, I like working on pumps, but it's like, it's, I'm not creating anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I have a very creative mind, as you can tell with all the shit that I tell you that I, I want to be involved with and do, but yeah. um, it's just, I just can't do it. And I feel that like the same, I feel like you and I are very similar yeah. in kind of everything and how it came up and, and how we think. And like, I just, I want to have that, that freedom of not being able to like go in whenever I want, you know, and open up and have it be my sole responsibility of whether or not I'm going to get this job yeah. or this podcast this week and get it out. It's, it's my responsibility. It's yeah. not just a, a hobby thing anymore. Yeah. And w- I mean, what does that feel like? Do you feel like an overwhelming sense of kind of responsibility, but at the same time you love it? So it's kind of just this happy medium? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's been a few moments where it's like, okay, you got to step it up. You got to really put in the extra time. You got to, you know take whatever job you can because you got to pay these bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, I've been blessed enough and comfortable where the work just kind of pours in. You know what I mean? That's not... Because you, you know, put in the work. I guess, yeah. I don't I mean, know. You're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, something's working. It's yeah. been working. Because I've been now officially working for myself since 2010, so it's been eight years. Wow. Not working for anybody. So, um, you know... Yeah, I don't know. I just feel blessed. Like, I don't know. Like, it's like I can open my Facebook message and I know there'll be like another job. Someone's messaging me. Yeah. There's an Instagram message in my DM saying, hey, what, do you have like packages for shoots? Or I get an email from a local agency saying, hey, we want to subcontract you shoot a, a video. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just always nonstop like that. Um, but what it's like working for yourself, uh, I love it because that you you have to always, you put the work in that you want to get out, I guess you'd say. Like, to me, it's like I'm always, like, chasing this dream of, like, getting better, getting better, keep going, making more always money, learning. being better, better photos, better clients, bigger and better, you know? Yeah. Um, so to me, it's like I'm always just trying to make myself better, my brand better, um, and things like that. I love the hustle. I love the, the relaxation of, like, if I need to, you know... Um, you know, chill out or take a day off, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, it's been so long that I can't really relate to do a nine to five, but like doing that, I, it, I feel like when people are creative like this or something like that, or have like a passion for something, you're putting all this hours into something that really doesn't like reap a reward for you mm-hmm. or it doesn't give you that creative a significant, satisfaction, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah, because I've worked the, those jobs and it just, yeah, I feel like it eats away at your life and you're like, dude, life's too short. Like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, some people want to be comfortable, have that paycheck and stuff like that. But like, my brain's going too fast. Like, I want to do something that's like meaningful to yeah. me. You know what I mean? Like, when I get done with a photo shoot or a video and I'm editing and I finish that, like, I get super stoked. Like I'm super hyped on what I created or, you know, and I'm yeah. like ready for the next one. Um, Cause it's that you created it. You made this thing out of nothing feeling, yeah. you know, and that gives you some kind of like, 
you know, satisfaction and, and, and being able to make that your job and then being able to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just awesome. It's just really cool. So, yeah. Um, so how often are you, how often are you shooting? Um, so running your own business is a gift and a curse <laughs> because I'm 30 years old now. I'm single. I have a little dog, never been married. I don't have kids. Because I'm basically a workaholic. So, like, I work, like, I just work every day. I don't even care. Like, I don't really try to, like, take off specific amount of time or whatever, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I try to, like, say I'm not going to come in and do any shoots or editing on the weekends. But if I got nothing else to do, I'm not going to be sitting there watching, like, a TV series show. You know what I mean? I'm going to be, like, edit or work. You know what I mean? Um, Cause I love it. I just like I'm always trying to chase that next big thing or that next big opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't remember what your question was, but <laughs> well, no, it's just like how often do you are you shooting? I mean, you're shooting whenever you want, but mm-hmm. I mean, are you are you kind of like an every other day? You're oh, trying okay. to have a, a shoot go on, or do you need that time in between to be able to edit? I mean, are you juggling multiple projects at one time? Yeah, it sometimes it just gets so backed up. I mean, most of the time it's usually like maybe two shoots a week and then the rest of the time is editing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just like the last two weeks, it feels like I haven't done any editing at all and it's just been shoots all day, every day. Um, it kind of just depends on the projects, you know, what's going on. Right. Um, but yeah, usually it's it's obviously it's a lot more time spent behind the computer you know what I mean it's running the business it's doing emails it's doing your social media your um uh, the editing and stuff like that um and then the shoots only go by within a couple hours you know what I mean you're like just behind the camera for a very short period of time Mm -hmm. you know and then it's back to running the business and then editing goes by quick too you know what I mean you're working on a, a small video or a photo to me though that's the tedious stuff the editing that's that's probably the least I like the end result, mm-hmm. but that's probably the thing I, I like the least about doing this whole thing is just the, the, the tediousness of cutting stuff up and put, cause in your head you have it already the end result, right? Mm-hmm. Of what you want it to look like. Yeah. But it's actually just doing those step by step by step is the thing. And it depends on what you're editing. Yeah. Okay, so true. if you're editing this podcast, yeah, it can probably get like a little tease cause it's like you're listening, you're cutting this long video clip with this long audio clip that I've already done and heard a million, a million times. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's been like videos where I did that too, but for example, like right now I'm working on a personal project where I'm like so into it. Like I've gone through like four edit revisions. Yeah. I've re-recorded the voiceover like five times cause I want it so perfect. Um, you know, I've just been spending all this time and I'm like so into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then there's some projects where it's just like, we're just doing another interview and then I'm going to throw some B-roll over it. Yeah. It's like, You're basic. it's cool, yeah. it's whatever, but I mean, come on. So, um, yeah, I, I like being behind the computer. I like getting lost in that creative moment mm-hmm. of like creating and then like you just, you know, lost yourself in editing for several hours and then you can like step back and press play and see what you got and you're like yeah. oh that was sick yeah you know? or then you show somebody and you're like oh no that was fucking bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like dude you can watch your own stuff but as soon as you 
go ahead and play it for somebody next to you and step back and let and them you're, watch you're it. You're watching them. You'll instantly see so many mistakes. Yep. <laughs> you'll be like, this is bad. Yeah. Like, this like, is too long. I didn't catch that. Dude. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know I know exactly how that feels, especially, like, it's it's weird, too, because on, on podcasts, mm-hmm. you're always, like, I don't ha- really necessarily have to watch, like, what I say. Mm-hmm. Um but I obviously don't want to just be blabbering bullshit, you yeah. know, all the time. But if you blabber bullshit in a photographic sense or a video sense, you can cut that shit out or retake it. In this sense, it's kind of like they're going to know, like, if I cut something out. And then it wouldn't be really as authentic as I'd, I'd want it to be. Sure. And you so know, it's probably harder to seem together, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's on this side is a little bit more difficult. But I, as far as, like, video and everything goes, it's... It's awesome because I have a few little, and I'll, I'll show you later because I, I like shooting movies and videos too, but I've, there's so much on my plate because this isn't, this isn't what I do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I have to go to work and then spend time with my family, yeah. and then I can work on my hobbies as long with playing paintball, doing jiu-jitsu, and all this other shit. Dude, yeah. And I think that, when I, when I had this kind of realization that I, I just love doing all these other things... Mm-hmm. I like going to work, obviously, because it pays the bills and puts a roof over the head and bread on the table, shit. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm not passionate for it. Right. I'm not. And yeah. I, I, I'm trying to figure out that way of being paid for all Dude, this you stuff. Have to. And I feel like it's all going to get so much better when I can focus on it. The amount of time that I can that I spend at work that I can do to this stuff, yeah. it's going to be night and day. Yeah. And then I can be working on something, and if my wife and my son come in and go, you know, Hey, let's go to the park. Let's go to do this. I can shut my let's laptop and I can just go. Yep. You know, and I can't do that with my yeah. with my job now. And yeah, it kills I don't me. That. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, because if you think about it, like if people work these nine to five jobs, right? I don't know what percentage of that your life that is, but it's like if you just look at it within a week, it's like eighty percent of your week is spent mm-hmm. doing something you don't want to do, or like you're eating up your life doing this job. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like. Yeah, you gotta figure it out, dude. <laughs> you you have to, and, and, and I think so many out. people are scared to do that. Like I, like me, yeah. I'm not necessarily scared. I just it's tough because I have a kid, you know, yeah. and I have a good job. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and my wife Tiff, she's great support, but she's obviously going, hey, you really need to know, you know, if this is gonna work or not, mm-hmm. or you know, which you don't, yeah, you know, until you actually do it, yeah. But, you know, she's, you know, understandably skeptical about anything that would be taken away that, that guaranteed sure. paycheck every week yeah. or every, you know, every two weeks or whatever. But yeah. um, there's always just comes that time, you yeah. know, because I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. And, and my son's growing up before my eyes and like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to be playing paintball for that much longer. Yeah. And it's, I just can't be, I can't be doing it yeah. for something that I don't want to be do. Because I, I've been doing this job, working on this, do do do, and in the back of my head, I'm like, who thinking, should do, who should I do a podcast with next? I remember that moment. Like, yes, yeah. those moments are I'm horrible. Like, it's, it's, I, I shouldn't be doing this. Yes, I should be doing something else. Yeah, I tell people all the time, something else is my calling. Yeah, it's not this. Yeah, it's something else. Yeah, yeah, and it, and the thing is that you you know it, so then it's like, you know. Um, yeah, it only eats at you more because you know there's like something else on the other side of that door that like you could be doing mm-hmm. or you're more passionate about. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, I remember that feeling, dude, for sure. Just I would be at it like at the job, 
or working like a normal job and just me like time would go by so slow and all I would be thinking about is if I wasn't here right now I could probably be shooting this or I could be mm-hmm. <laughs> working on this yeah or, you know? yep exactly <laughs> and I think you know going back to when uh, when you were younger and you were like I need this camera and I need this camera and I need this. It's the same thing in paintball too. Everybody's like, I need this marker. I need this this paintball gun. This is gonna get me better. This is gonna make me better, this and that. And I think you could probably um, probably agree with me on this. And to everybody out there and, and everybody younger out there, it's not the equipment. I mean, obviously it will help in the sense of picture quality or whatever, right. but if you don't have the vision, if you don't have the, the eye yeah. for things, you can have the best fucking anything in the world. I can have the best microphone in the world. Yeah. But if the end product isn't what you really want it to be, yeah. then it's not going to be for shit. Yeah. And it's not going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have to put in the passion. work. Yeah. yeah. You got to put in the work for sure. I mean, yeah. It's not yes. always all about the tools and stuff like that. No. I mean, these mics, $50 mics... Um, obviously, if anything, it's just a more powerful computer that I upgraded to to be able to handle what I needed to do. Yeah. A couple, maybe a couple hundred dollar cameras, mm-hmm. and more than anything nowadays, I feel like it's just content. Period. Mm-hmm. Like, like with you and your work, I feel like you've done the work to be able to get the recognition that you need to where you're busy, and your quality of work yeah. comes from the amount of time and effort and, and love you that you put, put into, into it. Yeah, that's for sure. And then yeah. it just grows and blossoms from there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's about putting in that time and it's like passion will pay eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. yeah, now that you say that, it's like, dude, I remember so much about like in the beginning years of shooting and trying to charge people or whatever. I just was doing nonstop free jobs, nonstop shoots for free, for free, for free. Just, yeah. Build a portfolio, get your name out there. Build a portfolio, get your name out of there. Charge real low, just just to work, you know, yep. get your name. Build, learn how to use that camera. Learn how to work with that person. Learn how to edit. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just putting in all that time, it's just it's just benefited me so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you can do ten free shoots, mm-hmm. and one of them comes back to where, oh hey, I got this other guy who uh, who needs you know photos, or they they spread the good word yep. that you did something great. Yeah that's all you need yeah you know it's always that opportunity knocking at the door that you haven't even seen or heard yet yeah that i mean even now like when i started out i didn't have the power of social media as a kid so it was all word of mouth of like how you got business Mm -hmm. like even with social media now like for any other photographers out there if you are like doing free shoots and stuff like that think about how that works right so like you post a shoot right um, they don't know you did it for free. Someone's probably going to see that and be like, oh, I would like to get a, a portrait like that. Mm-hmm. And then you get paid. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so, I mean, I feel like kids definitely have a, a really good advantage of making themselves, you know. Uh, I think it's a double-edged sword yeah, yeah. with social media. Yeah. Because I feel like the market's flooded with however many people are using that certain right. platform. Yeah. But then you are also a part of that platform if you use it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, yeah. it's just using it. And there's, there's actually a whole, um, paintball photography is huge. Okay. And there's a whole nother side, there's paintball and paintball photography. There's always paintball players 
who play paintball, but then they also do photography as well. And they're mm-hmm. at the tournaments and just doing local stuff and here and there. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people look at it and go, oh, hey, I want you to take pictures of me, you know, with this. When they go, okay, well, it's this much and paintball players are cheap. Yeah. So like, oh, no, no, I, I, can't, I can't do that. And I don't think people realize how much time and effort and also with paintball, um, paintball photography, is that you're dealing with being outside on the ground in the dirt you know getting those kinds of angles getting shot dealing with broken equipment because it's getting shot and the oil the the paint itself getting all over the place there's so much that goes into it yeah that i don't think the people who want the the, uh, photos really can understand yeah i mean that just comes with being a photographer and videographer yeah yeah people underestimate uh, underestimate under i guess devalue the worth of it the you know power I mean? of what it takes to get a picture yeah yeah you're my friend let's go shoot or yeah let me get a shoot real quick but i uh, maybe when i was like 20 years old i got tattooed on my stomach time is money because mm-hmm. <laughs> i remember like telling myself dude like your time is worth something like yeah. you're putting in this time and that's just time it's not like everything you just said like laying in the mud knowing probably how to shoot the paintballs Possibly being, you know, getting your gear ruined, you know, there's so much other things like that. Yeah. Um, and when it comes down for me, it's like, luckily I don't have anybody question me anymore. You know what I mean? Because it's like, obviously this is what I do for a living. Like, of course I'm going to charge. Like, I would never just ask you if you do, if you're a plumber to come over and fix my sink for free. Like, yeah. you would be like, what? Do you, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, just come over and fix my sink. It's yeah. messed up. What do you mean? That's what you do for a living. Come exactly. On. You know what like, you're doing. No. So I look at it the same way. It's like, well, why would you ask me to do something for free? Like, you know, I got to mm-hmm. make a living. You're almost offending me if you're going to have me do it for free. Exactly. Like, I can't, like, you don't want me to, you know, if I don't make money, then I'm not gonna actually going to be able to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I got to go back to, you know, making pizzas. Or exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. So. Well, and the good part about being your own boss, too, is you can compromise. Right, yeah. especially if it helps you, or if if it helps both of you, because yeah. let's say the one guy is um, his social circle of mm-hmm. you know is people downtown or whatever, yeah. and then you can start kind of working that totally. into hey, I'll do a free shoot for you, or I'll do half off this shoot, yeah. and I need you to recommend me to you know yeah. these people or whatever. You definitely, yeah, you definitely do things that kind of help. Um, accelerate your portfolio or potentially get you leads or you know other jobs and stuff like that Mm. i do a lot of the time i do a lot of passion projects that hopefully lead to um, bigger and better jobs you know things like that so yeah yeah um if you want to talk about it but i'd like to get a little bit more into uh your diabetes yeah um has that kind of slowed you down at all in everyday life uh, or what is it like mm-hmm. um, you know to have type 1 diabetes sure um, so for the viewers out there you know there's this the category of diabetes there's actually two types there's type 1 and type 2 um, type 1 there's only 5% that make up the diabetics the rest 95% are type 2 mm-hmm. which is a crazy huge statistic like difference you know yeah um so type one is majorly found like through younger adults teenagers and young young uh, adults type two usually comes on with a later on um when you're maybe a little bit overweight um 
you don't exercise. It's kind of like, it's actually self-inflicted almost in a sense. So it's more preventable. It can than be the ir- yeah, it's irreversible. Like you can, you can, you know, potentially like get rid of your diabetes if you have right. type two, um, because it came on because of lack of nutrition. You're overweight. It's mainly comes people that are overweight or obese. You so know? that's where that line is drawn between type one and type two. Yeah. Okay. Um, type two, their pancreas still produces insulin. It still works. Type one, my pancreas just like doesn't work at all. Like I can't get rid of it. I, you know, whatever I do, I'm gonna have this for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. unless I got like some like pancreas chan- like transplant or something. That was that was my next. Which question, like I don't even know anything about that. Like I'm sure it'd be so hell of expensive and like dangerous. Like, I don't even. Yeah. I've never even met anybody that's had that. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty much signed up for life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, it's tough, man. It's a nonstop battle, dude. Yeah. It's like, it's like being on a roller coaster. Like you're trying to balance out this blood sugar because if it goes one way or the other, it throws everything off. Like if the blood sugar is too high, like you'll be super tired, you'll be thirsty, you can get cranky. I mean, if it gets too too high, basically, like every time it gets higher, it gets low. It's ruining your body in the long term. Yeah. It's like, oh, you messed up. We're gonna, we're gonna take a check off, you know. And once, once you got too many checks, like it's gonna really start doing something bad. Yeah. It's gonna start messing up your eyesight, your nerve damage. You're not gonna start to be able to feel your feet no more. Your fingers gonna go. Um, they're gonna have to cut off limbs. Just so many other complications starts ruining other um, organs in your body that cause cause like other stuff. You can go on to dialysis. Um, so it's really important to try to like balance out that number the Absolutely. best that you can. So that means like eliminating sugar. You know what I mean? Because if you take sugar, what's that do? It like brings it really high, mm. which I'll give you a check mark. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, if you don't have any sugar or you don't eat for a really long time or you take too much insulin, it goes low. That's a check mark. You know what I mean? So you're always constantly battling those. Um, it seems like it's the hardest thing. Like, I yeah. will try to keep track of it and be, like, so perfect with it, and things will just, like, fall off no matter what. It's like... So do you have reminders unreal. of to, to take your insulin? Yeah, or? so I, a couple, probably, like, four years ago, I got, like, a um, an insulin pump. So it looks like a pager. People are like, dude, you got a pager? I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> They're coming back. I'm a trendsetter, dude. <laughs> Fanny packs are coming back, man. Dude, are they? Yeah. yeah. Of course, right? It's like the hipster. That's actually like the hip-hop thing to do. Yeah. Um, it's convenient. So before I had the pump, like, you would have to, like, take out, like, a needle syringe with, like, a vial of insulin. And based off what you ate, like, amount of sugar, you would take um, amount of insulin to cover that. Right after you ate or, like, at the end of the like, day? Like, you would almost probably want to do it. If you know you could do it before, do it before. Yeah. Um, but then you just got to make sure you eat what you just took. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. I wasn't even in trouble. So that's how I have to, used to have to do it. And then also you poke your finger five to six times a day, like with like a little, like you remember like to a little it. bee sting when they like poke your fingers like, when yeah. You're a kid. Yeah. I do that like five, six, seven times a day. Squeeze out a little, little blood, put it on this strip, and then it goes into a meter and tells you what your blood sugar. So it tells you where you're at with your balancing. My wife had to do that when uh, after she had her she was gestational right. diabetes. Yeah. She was developing that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was before. And then once I got this pump, 
the pump is held tremendously. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not a hundred percent like saying this thing will like save your like you know it's like night and day, but it will help you a lot. Yeah. So with the pump, like I have on one side of my stomach, I have like this sensor that is constantly checking my blood sugar. And then, like, see on that, it says 249 right now. Mm-hmm. So before, I, you know, you would never know what your blood sugar is at. You don't know where you're at. Like, I, oh, I got to poke my finger to see where I'm at. You yeah. know what I mean? So that right off the rip kind of lets you know. It will alert you if it's going low. It will alert you if it's getting too high. So you can take action to keep it balanced. Mm-hmm. And then also, I don't have to, like, whip out a needle and, like, shoot up some insulin in front of people. Because, <laughs> like, this thing has insulin in this tube yeah and all i gotta do is just say like oh i just had like a bagel and i and it was like 30 grams of carbs and then it will do the math for me and give me the insulin oh really level. yeah and they just came out with another pump that will do everything for you and it'd be like it's basically like a pancreas operates like a pancreas so if it starts to get high like say i'm sitting here with you my blood sugar is starting to get it's got higher yeah because i ate before so my blood like i must have not took enough insulin or something mm. It would automatically start getting me insulin. Cause like, oh, Nick's Nick's blood sugar is getting high. We're gonna give him some insulin. Like, yeah. I have to go in here and tell it to give me insulin to bring it back down. You know what I mean? Right now, I do. But they have a pump now. We'll do it for you, which it, is basically what your pancreas does. Right. It will say like, oh, Carl just ate. Let's give him some insulin. Yeah. Oh, Carl's blood sugar is getting low. Let's cut off the insulin and to wait till it gets back up. You it's know just self relegating, yeah. regulating. So this one, I still have to, you know manually put it in yeah because like if it's starting to go low it's going to continue to give me insulin mm-hmm. i just have to like sh- like suspend don't give me any more insulin and i gotta go find some like orange juice or something to bring it back up yeah you know so then it obviously alerts you when the insulin's low and yeah when it's low and you got to rechange it or when the battery's there you know or when the battery's dying you just throw a new battery in yeah so this has kind of been like a lifesaver because um, it really helps you See, it just gave me alert. It's like your blood sugar is getting high. So, like huh. before, you would never know that. We could be sitting here for hours, and my blood sugar I would never know it was high. Right. You know what I mean, and then that causes like you're just getting check marks, and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know. So, how sensitive is your like is the whole system? Like, like let's say you eat, you know, let's say you eat a bagel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, is it? Does it kick in right away, that the alert, or is it kind of just slowly? Depends on what you have. So, like liquids, like if you have orange juice, those or probably soda or ice cream, those things like because it's like liquid into your bloodstream, like right quick. in there. Things that are like heavier in carbs, like your pastas, your bagels, your pizzas, that stuff like will start to affect you over time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it starts to hit you later. So that's what it's probably doing right now. Because like I didn't have like orange juice, I was like. What did I have? I had like some hummus, had some grape leaves. Where'd you get the hummus from? Oh, just like from Kroger. Just like just I'm gonna change. I'm gonna Sidon. change your life right now, dude. <laughs> Stop going to Kroger to get hummus yeah. and go to Sidon. Go what to Sidon it? over on Bancroft. Saigon. Sidon. S I D O N. Okay. Go there. Don't go there and get anything and bring it home. First, eat there. Okay. Right. So get their hummus. Eat their bread as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Right. And then eat anything on the menu and if you like mediterranean food or just yeah. hummus period yeah go there you get it to go or what i'm, I'm gonna blow your mind <laughs> it's sweet because i love hummus dude like I yeah love the mediterranean stuff homemade like they have like the old 
grandma is in the back wow. with the thing on her head and it, the um, yeah, yeah, the uh, not babushka, or what, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the plastic thing on her. Yeah, head. but she's like just cooking away wow. and everything, and it looks like it's a family run. Yeah. They have a market right next to it nice. that's that's family run by the same people. It's delicious, dude. Wow. It, it's actually right across from where I work, oh, like yes. right across the street. Where's that? On, on it's road? on. Okay, so um, you know where Reynolds and Bancroft meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So if you if you're going up Reynolds. Okay. And you hang a right on a bankroft. Yeah. You're just gonna kind of keep going down, and mm-hmm. then it's gonna be maybe a quarter of a mile on your right hand side. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. I'll check it out. Dude, it's, so, it's so good. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I get it. I get it. No, I don't get it all the time, but when I can, I get it. That's your. your yeah. spot. That's so, so good. good. That's so that good. or yellow. Yellow coal is good too, but side on. Ever since, ever since we moved into the new place yeah. over there across yeah. the street, uh-huh. just hands down, Super way better. Nice. But you're yeah, gonna love it, dude. Yeah, I'll check it out, dude. Yeah. But yeah, um, so it can be sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you're just always trying to balance it. But. So your diet consists of what now? Um, mainly try to limit you know sugar intake as much as you can. I'm mm. a vegetarian, not for diabetic reasons, just for humane. Um, and then um, so basically it consists of like I have breakfast the same. It's always like. I eat eggs still. I mean, if I didn't eat eggs, I would basically be considered vegan. But mm-hmm. I eat eggs still. Um, and then, like, they have, like, Morningstar veggie sausage, which probably sounds super gross to most people, <laughs> but it's actually pretty bomb. It tastes exactly like sausage. Yeah. And then, um, usually for lunch, it's, like, either, like, some kind of wrap or it's, like, some kind of uh, mixed vegetables, brown rice kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. And then dinner is the same way. It's always, like... Uh, a salad with some fake veggie nuggets, <laughs> chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah, and they're super bomb too. And uh, that's about it. So I try to right. keep it pretty simple. You know what I mean? So why, uh, why vegetarian? Was it was there just a point in time when you were like, and eh, just I don't want to do it anymore? Or was it like, did you watch a video, or you just mm-hmm. kind of, did you just become enlightened at one point? Yeah, it was kind of a lightning moment. I mean, I got into strict like. I call it like bro lifting where you're just like working on muscle groups or whatever. Mm-hmm. And with like trying to put on size, the bro style, like you got to eat shitload of chicken, lean ground beef, protein, protein, protein. And I was like doing the meal prep thing. So I was going through like three to five chicken breasts uh, a day. Yeah. And that just started tasting really gross. And I remember just going to the butcher all the time or not the butcher, like the thing at Kroger or one of these meat houses, you know what I mean? And they bag up that chicken and it just started looking real gross. And um, I started watching these like de- uh, documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. Just because I'm like really into, at that point with like trying to get fit and fit, when you're trying to get fit, the health, the healthy eating lifestyle kind of plays part with that. Mm-hmm. So I started like just educating myself as it was with eating. And I started watching these documentaries and it wasn't even just like the animal ones. It was just talking about like food in general. Yeah. And like the first thing I found out was like how our food is made with all these chemicals and stuff like that. And like if you're not buying like organic, like most of your stuff is going to have like 30 ingredients on it and like can be disease leading. Yep. I was like, for real? I'm like, wow. Like I didn't know that stuff would be disease leading and like what they're making our food with. Mm-hmm. And then with the with that, that led just to how. Um, how animals are treated 
you know like to me I guess I never really thought about it much like I was just like okay like I know like there's a slaughterhouse and you know I've seen Rocky before and the animals are hanging in the cold or whatever mm-hmm. you know and they take a, a butcher knife and they chop off whatever and that's how you get a chicken wing um, the part of it that I didn't know I just was where it's got today like how they're treating the animals and like you start to see that in these documentaries the massive farms and everything yeah like yeah. I didn't see like what, how, what they were doing with all these chickens and how the cows were treated and it's not this like amazing picture that's painted for advertising where it's like Uncle John on the farm with this chicken and mm-hmm. he's holding a rake and he's smiling <laughs> yeah. like that does not exist anymore like People are consuming so many animal products that we we were forced kind of to figure out a way to pump these animals out faster and get it done quicker and you know make them bigger and make them bigger yeah so that means like you know using different steroids to make these chickens bigger you know what I mean or putting things in their food Mm -hmm. to you know to speed along the process I don't know so I just seen all these images and seen what they were doing and it took like three documentaries. And I have a, a small chihuahua, and I looked over at him, and I was like, I would never eat my dog, so why am I eating these other animals? Mm. Like, an animal is an animal, just like a human is a human. And, and they talked about how animals have feelings and how they, they get scared, just how humans get scared, and how a, a child gets scared. Mm. Uh, or how a child, if they hurt themselves, they feel pain and they cry. And all kinds of animals do that too. Not just a horse, not just a cow, but chickens do. Fish get scared. You know, all these different things that I'm like consuming are like scared. And they're going through like torture. Like they're yeah. not just like being put out like simple. Like it's like straight up torture. Like they're dragging the shit along, like torturing these animals. And that's all I know. Is that life. Dude, and it's like, I'm like, dude, I'm like contributing to like the Holocaust for animals right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want no part of it. Until they like change this shit, I'm not eating any animals. Which I don't see happening. And I completely. I don't see it either happening. It's been like a year now. I think people are becoming more aware, you know, and things like that. Definitely people are becoming more aware like how our food's made because like this whole organic boom is taking over Mm -hmm. and saying like, non-gmo or you know no artificial flavor so obviously that shit's kicking in i think maybe eventually people will start to be aware of how animals are being treated but it's very hidden you know yeah it's super hidden so um yeah i don't know i just don't want to part of it i guess no and i completely i completely respect that like i i eat meat and i've been thinking about it actually within the last year Mm -hmm. um i listened to the joe rogan podcast and he hunts all of his meat yeah. Elk and deer, and I'm. I look at. It, I'm like, there is, and and they're wild game, and they they kill it, and they eat that whole thing, and that is how they consume their meat and get their meat. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it too, and I I don't hunt or anything like that. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah. Um. Just because of that whole contribution, like, yeah. like I took this animal, sure. I took this animal's life, and I put it on the table, and that whole process. Yeah. I, would, I would much rather do that than just go to the butcher yeah. or Lee Williams and pick up a bag full of chicken right. or whatever, and then take it home. Mm-hmm. I try to do Lee Williams because I actually should probably do more research in it, but I don't know if 
they're completely local or not, or someplace of Michigan or, or whatever. Yeah. But I try and go there more than I do like a Walmart or a Meyer yeah. or anything like that. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, I completely understand like mm-hmm. what you're talking about. And I thought about it and I thought about it and I was like, yeah. I like steak too much. And then I was thinking about it too. I was like, but I don't want, I don't want a cow steak. I would love to have elk or like deer that I went into the elements for. Yeah. And I didn't just go to the grocery store. Yeah, and you didn't torture the elk. Like, you took it out of its misery. Exactly. It's like you didn't, like, hang him by the hook and let him hang upside down while he's bleeding still, still conscious. Mm-hmm. He's scared. He's in this factory around all these people covered in masks. Yeah. You're not doing that. Mm-hmm. You're doing it the right way, which is, like, straight up, like, Indian style, like how the shit was meant to be. And like, even though the bow might seem more, you know, of a torture thing, but... Either this animal is going to be taken out like this by me, and I'm not a hunter, but I'm just saying it, yeah, yeah. Um, is going to be taken out like this where I shoot with an arrow, bleeds out, dies, yeah. or it's going to break a leg and freeze to death, or it's going to be eaten by a, a lion, a cougar, a, a whatever, you know, or possibly old age. Yeah. But I would much rather have that happen than, you know, gates closed, just pumped full of shit and you know what i mean yeah. it, you just just i don't yeah the whole torture thing just freaks me out because i'm like if they can feel that they're scared mm-hmm. like that's just gnarly to me yeah because like i'm like dude what if my little dog was cooped up like that being pumped with needles yeah and people are eating them i mean that shit happens in other countries people mm-hmm. eat dogs so i'm just like you know what i mean it just all it all just kind of made sense to me it's just so yeah that's the main reason yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's not easy. Oh, I mean, for sure. Means, you know what I mean? It's I think the same thing for hard. sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look at all this, look at all yeah, the shit that has sugar in it. Yeah. Oh my God. Like ever yeah. since I started becoming more aware of what I'm eating and what is actually, what is, you know, in what I'm eating, it is ridiculous. Just the little, mm-hmm. the little fucking things. Yeah. You know, and I've been trying to regulate that out almost completely as much as possible. Yeah. And it's tough. Yeah. It's real tough, especially for my son. I mean, that's the biggest thing because it's like I'm trying to make – he's a picky eater, I'm sure, just as any toddler would be. But trying to find something that doesn't have less than 11 grams of sugar in it or something like that because he's not eating his vegetables. So we have to mix in fruit or something, trying to find something that he eats. He, he doesn't like the the uh, shredded chicken or anything like that. He has to have the Tyson nuggets that we get him, mm-hmm. which I wish he would eat the, the other chicken rather than that, you know, yeah. produced mm-hmm. chicken nugget thing. Right. But it's, it's so difficult. And I don't think people understand the level of farming that we're talking about just for the fact because a lot of people just drive 20 minutes to the grocery store. It's there. Yeah. It's just right there. Yeah. The same thing with sugar. Nobody, you know, people say child abuse is just putting a, ch- a child in a certain area, but then you see all these kids that are obese, mm-hmm. and then the, fa- and the family's obese, and you're like, dude, and look at, they're, they have, you know, they're eating candy all day, and they have candy mm-hmm. bars, and you're, you're just feeding them dollar menu stuff, but then yeah. if they're poor, mm-hmm. they're saying that's all that they can afford, right. and then that's just burgers and fries and just carbs and it's just terrible and i think that is one big thing about this whole movement is just having people be aware of what you're putting into your body because it's just a a simple saying is you are what you eat and that didn't really hit until 
I got out of high school and I was older and everything, and I thought about it, I'm like, because I used to eat like a fucking horse, you know, when I was younger. I used to eat anything, and I could stay usually the same weight and everything. It didn't have yeah. a good metabolism. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm older, and you think about it, it's like your body is looking for fuel. Mm-hmm. It needs water and it needs fuel. And if that fuel is chips, uh, you know, fucking pita bread, white bread, just all this bagels, all yeah, this you're shit. you're not giving it any of the fuel that it really needs. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's going to perform like shit. Yeah. And it's going to cause disease leadings that, like, I was talking about those checks boxes that mm-hmm. eventually are going to add up. It's the same thing yeah. with eating, dude. People that eat shitty, mm-hmm. you know, it's just going to catch up to you later on if it hasn't caught you in the ass yet. Exactly. And it's only going to get worse the older you get. You know yep. what I mean? You're going to end up with some kind of disease leading. You're going to get either type 2 diabetes. You're going to have to deal with that shit. Yeah. Um, That's why they say with working out, a diet goes right along with it. Yeah. Because if you feel tired, if you're wondering why you feel tired and you're wondering why you're not feeling motivated or you're making bad decisions, I mean, it all goes right down to your diet. Yeah, there's this awesome documentary. It's called The Sugar Film. Have you seen that yet? I heard of it. That one's so good. Yeah? I learned so much. No, I think you have to like Amazon it or something. Amazing. Amazing what you learn on that. But I mean, they just talk about the simple fact of you know, humans were supposed to have like six to nine um, uh, what is it? teaspoons of sugar a day. And there's for every teaspoon, there's four grams. So how you were saying like you're trying to find something under 11 grams. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like right off the rip, like say you had a can of Mountain Dew. Let's just say if you drank a can of Mountain Dew, what is that, like 30 or 40? Or yeah, something okay, so like you that. take four into 36, that's your whole daily amount of sugar in that can alone mm-hmm. so any mother any other sugar on top of that is just leading to um becoming overweight yeah. so if you're questioning yourself why am i overweight go ahead and just count how much sugar you consume that day divide that by four and see how many you know yeah. uh, servings you got it is really just, easy yeah. to get over you're like oh maybe that's contributing to my weight well and then also why they say carbs too uh, at yeah. least the um the complex carbs is take a look at that because your body's gonna break that down, yeah. you know, and turn it in to sugar. Yeah. So it's yeah. like you just you just gotta watch what yeah. you eat, man. The greener yeah. the better. Yeah. You know, and if you eat meat, you know, obviously try and go organic as possible. Yeah. But if you have a heart, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you have any kind of sympathy, <laughs> save these animals. No, I'm just kidding. Um but I know a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast are you know, not from Toledo, Ohio, but um, where can anybody find you if they're curious at your work? Sure. Um, make sure you grab a pen for this one. <laughs> now, basically, my website's Nick Amrine, so it's Nick, and then the spelling of my last name is A M R H E I N dot com. Um, pretty much search that name on any social media platform, you'll find me under Instagram or Facebook. So, yeah. yeah. Um, are you a traveling photographer or are you just local? I am a traveling photographer. It just depends on the gig that I get yeah. and things like that. So I'm considered a freelance. So like this this past this past year, I, w- I did a job. I was in I was in Los An- back in Los Angeles for five weeks shooting a motorcycle uh, that a festival right show. Um, I've done a couple different festival events in California, but this one was for like a web TV show through Harley. And that was like five weeks. Nice. Um, 
and then yeah different opportunities like i'll get sent out to shoot different events like i go to texas i'll be in florida you know wherever the job goes you yeah. know what i mean it all just kind of depends like i just got booked for a job to go shoot in south carolina in two months and then i'll be going to milwaukee for another event and then i'll be back on california so i guess yeah you could say i'm a traveling photographer but there's no set agenda yeah. yeah i guess it helps too that your dog's portable he never comes with me no that would be pretty cool <laughs> no, yeah. he'd be a distraction for sure but yeah no my brother just watches him oh it works out yeah. um what about social media where can they where can we find you on social media um Instagram, just yeah, search my name, Nick Amrine. I think my username, if you like type that in, it's Nick AM Photo. Um, on Facebook, how do you find someone on Facebook? I think you have the username. So you just type yeah, in Nick Amrine. Yeah, Amrine. I think that and it, yeah, it'll come up. Nick Amrine. Um, same thing on YouTube, it's Nick Amrine. Cool. But yeah, the website's my coolest feature because that's based like my portfolio, showcases like my best work and stuff like that. So awesome. check that out. All right, everybody, go follow Nick. Give him a like, a click, a subscribe, all that good stuff. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, bro. All right, we'll talk to you. Thank you so much, Nick, for sitting down with me. Uh, I thought that was a great time. Uh, His studio was awesome. That's where we uh, recorded that podcast was uh, in his uh, his studio. He actually rents it out now, but, but... it's awesome. I mean, he's made a name for himself uh, in the industry in Toledo and uh, and obviously in other places since he's uh, traveling. But uh, make sure you head to his website and uh, nickamrine.com uh, and uh, check out his portfolio. Check out his work. Uh, I'm gonna try and slowly work him into the uh, the paintball side of things. And uh, but I mean, it, it's really cool. I love. Um, all stories. I, I especially love success stories, especially local uh, local success stories, and um, he's definitely one of them. And um, my hats off to him. I think he's done a, a great job, and uh, he works his ass off, and and it shows definitely. So uh, thank you to Nick. Uh, also, a quick thank you to our sponsors, Dr. Paintball. Like I said, they have that trade-in program where uh, if you go to their website, drpaintball.com, and up top on the uh, on the the menu bar up there. They have the trade in your gear tab. Click that, and then you'll be able to get the uh, the contract, not the contract, but the uh, the actual paper where you can fill it out and uh, where you can discuss all the uh, the details in the trade in your gear program. So make sure you check them out, drpaintball.com. Uh, also, play on the promo code. You'll get a free gift with any order. Uh, also brought to you by Carbon Paintball. With the promo code, capital T-P-O-P, you will get 10% off your checkout with any of the CC line, the SC line, uh, the backpack, the backpacks, soon, the gloves, anything and everything that is on the Carbon Paintball site, you will get 10% off with capital T-P-O-P. Uh, and last but not least, Planet Eclipse, uh, the LV-1 series that I shoot, like I said, check them out if you're on the fence about what marker to go with or what you know what avenue you want to go uh i definitely would steer you down the planet eclipse uh you know just because they're the most popular one everybody likes to hate on them but i mean it's a great company man they make a great product they're they're number one out there for a reason and uh and that is the reason they're just damn good they make great stuff and uh you know greatness doesn't lie i think that's 
saying. <laughs> but they're, they're awesome, man. They're, they're great stuff. Um, so check them out, planeteclips.com. And again, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you have any uh, any comments or anything like that, go ahead and uh, message me over at Carl underscore Markowski on Instagram or Carl Microwave Markowski on Facebook, and I will get back as soon as I can. Um, just I appreciate all the listeners out there 100%. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every time. I'm trying to put these out as much as possible. I have some scheduling to do. Um, because I need to get some more guests on here. But thank you again, everybody, for uh, for listening. And we will see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Later. <laughs>